Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort, considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagamaker. And we are together for episode two now, looking at Lord's Day 2 from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's nice how that lines up like that. Episode two, Lord's Day 2. This might continue on, I'm thinking, Lloyd. It, it, My guess is episode three will be Lord's Day 3, Episode four, Lord's Day four, I'm seeing a possible pattern really developing. There is a pattern. Uh, we had to cheat a little bit with make our intro episode zero <laughs> to do this. And um, there's always the possibility of you being long-winded and us splitting up a Lord's Day later on. So we'll we'll see how long we can prevent that. That so. is a d- very distinct possibility, because there's so much to say about so many things, Lloyd, and we only have so much time to say it. People can only be so patient for so long. This, this is very true, and we are usually pushing the limits of people's patience. So with that, (laughs) let's dig in to part one of the Catechism. Part one of the Catechism begins in Lord's Day 2, and it is titled Man's Misery. Mm. Of course, referring back to question and answer two from Lord's Day 1. What were the three points of question and answer two? The three points were the sin salvation service. Again, how great my sin and misery are, what I must know to live and die in the joy of this comfort. First to know how great my sin and misery are. That's where we're going to start out right. right now. And then eventually in the catechism, we'll move to how great my salvation is through Jesus Christ and then the, my acts of service out of thankfulness for what I've received in Jesus Christ, the last part. We could talk about misery, which is good because sometimes we can be fairly miserable people. You especially can be quite Quite miserable at times, Lloyd. <laughs> Quite miserable? Quite miserable at times. It's a good thing you have me as a friend, actually. That's a testament that, to my my deep friendship uh, abilities. So, yeah, that, yes. that you're willing to put up with me yeah, and all exactly. my misery. Exactly. And, and enter into my misery with me. That, that is very, very gracious right. of you, Tyler. Well, thank you. That's I try to be very gracious. That's part of my thankfulness. That's the third yeah. part of the category. There you go. There right. you go. Um, uh, yeah, very good. All right. So let's dig into Lord's Day 2, question and answer 3. How do you come to know your misery, is the question. And the answer is, the law of God tells me. So, Tyler, why is it important that the law of God is the one that tells us what our sin and misery are? Well, certainly, we could experience the the misery of life around us through, through some of the natural laws of just the consequences of bad choices in life that... The world around um, has, you know, that's how a lot of times the world knows they're doing something wrong is because the natural consequences of how God shaped the world eventually comes back and gets you. Now, sometimes the world calls that, well, that's karma. And uh, we say, no, that's, this is how God made the world to be. Certainly, we could experience the misery of doing things the wrong way that way. But God's law really clarifies it in a wonderful way and points it out, saying, these are the right ways of doing things. Things will go well for you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, If you do it this way, which is always God's law, 
that that it's meant for our good and for our blessing and for things to go well. But it does point out in many ways how, because of our sin natures, we choose to do things the the way that ultimately will not go well for us. Although when we think about it and we choose it in the moment, we're choosing what we think will go best for us in our sin. Because that's right. how beguiling right. and how deceitful sin is and temptation right. is. And, and and that's the problem that we are uh, maybe even uniquely experiencing in our day and our age and our culture with the uh, dangers of relativism all around and questioning what is good, who decides what is mm. good. Uh, I make up what's good and right for me. This is the uh, drumbeat that we hear in our culture continually that you have to choose. You look inside your heart to find out what's right for you. And God's Word says, that's a terrible place to start. That is not where we look for what is going to be right and true. It's rather to God's law, to His commandments, to His direction for, you know, the creatures that He has made, the world that He's made. He tells us how we are to live in it rightly, how we live in it correctly. And I don't want to be miserable, though, Lloyd. I want to have fun in life. I want to experience all the the pleasures of life. I don't want to be miserable. So yet another reason for me to, as an unbeliever, to say, I don't want to spend time in God's Word. I don't want the Ten Commandments posted, for instance, on the, the walls of our courthouses, or I don't want our, my kids taught that in the, in the public schools, because I don't want them to be reminded in many ways of how miserable that they are apart from God and uh, apart from their need for the, for the Lord. So, but... God's law does reveal our misery. That's just right, how it is. Right, and and you know uh, historically theologians have talked about three purposes that we have. What with are those? God's law. What are those three purposes? Uh, the three Lloyd? purposes can be summarized as you know it works conviction. That's what is going on here in in question and answer three. It's God's law that convicts me. That shows. That's the mirror that shows that you know I got mud all over my face. Mm. I I have I don't match up to what I should be looking like. Secondly, it goes ahead and it works in the world to restrain sin. It, it holds back sin and sinfulness in, in the world and in society. As we hear the command, you know, uh, there's plenty of them that people want to walk away from, but most societies generally uh, recognize at least, yeah, we shouldn't be murdering other people. Mm. And so there's that restraining influence of the law. And then third, it's the law that guides us. And so it's interesting uh, that man's misery the points us to God's law, but yet the Ten Commandments aren't actually dug into commandment by commandment until the third section yeah. of the Chaotism under service, and that's tying into these three purposes of God's law and how we see that play out in the world around us. And so, so it, is, it, is, it is a wonderful sort of uh, happenstance in, in God's providence. And we do see at the beginning, we we are introduced to God's law, but like you said, we don't really dig into it until the third part of our thankfulness, of thankful living. And right. that's when we'll really get into the Ten Commandments. But it is referenced in, in a roundabout way here, and especially the summary of the law is yes. is, is referenced yep. and is, is made mention of yep. in, in question, question four. answer four. Right? So what four? does God's law require of us? So, okay, so God's law is that which which, like the mirror, um, is held up before us and reveals my misery. So, okay, so what is it requiring of us? What is it revealing that I ought to be doing? Yep, yep. And for the answer to question four, we have Christ teaches us this summary, or this in summary, in Matthew 22. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So that's what, how when Jesus was challenged, what's the greatest commandment? This is how he summarized what are, are God's laws, God's commands calling us to do. First off, to love him with everything that we have. All of our being is to be involved in the way that we love and serve and honor God. It's not just some portion of my life that I try and uh, carve out. You know, it's not uh, sacrificing a couple hours of my day on Sunday that I devote that to the Lord and then the rest of the week is free to go however I want to go. But rather, the call and the command is to love God with all of our being all of our life. And we all know, Lloyd, that all we need is love, sweet love. I, you know, the wonderful song. How many songs are there about love? Uh, there's a lot of songs about love. There's a multi- <laughs> unless you're Taylor Swift, then you're singing songs about breaking up. Um, uh, that is people. kind of her specialty. That, that is her specialty is the breakup songs. Uh, but there was love in theory that that started that, that led that, before that. So the world loves to talk about loves to talk about love. Is, you know, we're, a lot of times in, in February is Valentine's Day, of course, and is the uh, the day of love and of Hallmark. And when and and of chocolate, which by the way is just a reminder to me, as I think about one of the ways God shows His love for us is He gives us chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives us uh, that, and I, I think this is actually going to be in the new creation, Lloyd. You think chocolate will be part of I, the new I, creation? I, so for those who don't like chocolate in this present world, I'd say get used to it because it is going to be for God's people. For God's um, uh, people. That, that's one of the things that's not going to be in hell. You're not going to get any chocolate in hell. Okay. So okay. just so people realize that that this is one of the implications of belonging to the Lord or not. I think the, this is my own extrapolation. This right. Is, right. Uh, right. You is, don't have a. a a chapter and verse exactly to cite for this. There's not, there's not even any apocrypha sort of <laughs> reference that I can draw up here. But, uh, but this is just my, my sense of how things ought to be. Perhaps, right, right, yeah. Yes, so chocolate what? without maybe calories. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, we we could have calories, but our but the Lord will make our bodies such that um, uh, that it will perfectly and wonderfully. Um, uh, or um, process that and will never have any ill effects on our body. So that, that's something to look forward to right there. That, I, that <laughs> is something to be look, looking forward to, especially as right now I'm, I'm trying, again, for my cholesterol purposes to, to lower some weight Yeah, yeah. Uh, because my body doesn't always process the chocolate that, the way it ought that, to. That it uh, should yet. So. That's part of the misery. Right. That's this is the misery of this world. This is the misery of this that, world. I can't fully process chocolate <laughs> the, the way I want to, Lloyd. Right. Um, which, is, right. Which, is, which is a shame. All but, right. We've got enough quite a ways from the <laughs> We do. We do. But misery works its way in, even in, even in discussions about chocolate. It, See, this is how practical the Heidelberg Catechism is. Yes. Um, but it works its way into everyday life, even to things like Valentine's Day and chocolate and discussions about that in Taylor Swift songs. There, so, we, there we go. There we go. As that, practical as practical can be. Is listening so. to a Taylor Swift song one way that an expression of misery, by the way? <laughs> Lloyd, just wondering. <laughs> so. uh, knowing my wife's uh, opinion of Taylor Swift, I will leave that off. So <laughs> I won't go <laughs> and insult any Swifties. So anyway, here we go. 
<laughs> because it's possible those who listen to this uh, this podcast are also huge Taylor Swift fans. Maybe, it, perhaps, that, who knows? I mean, sure. there's probably like three listeners, so I don't know what percentage of the population is Taylor Swift uh, fans. True, but anyway, yes. uh-huh. we will see. We will see. All right, continuing on. You know, who knew this what, we could have so much fun talking about misery? Uh, yes. That's yes, right. That, so. what, that's what we do. <laughs> All right, focusing on the law and what it requires of us and Jesus' summary of the law. You know, I have heard uh, reports before and and people talking about not being able to answer what is the gospel or giving very wrong answers for what is the gospel, even in uh, examinations. Oh, I've yes. heard uh, the, the stories of this before. It's dreadful, you're right, Lord. Yeah, that, that when someone was asked what is the gospel, they summarized it as, Loving God and loving my neighbor. <laughs> that is not the gospel. The, that is not that what is gives the, us hope. That's the covenant of works right there is what that is. That, that is what it is. Right. It, this is the law that shows us how far we fall short. You know, the way that I treat Tyler is not always loving. And, you know, I am convicted of that and I have to repent again and again. And one of the ways you can show that that repentance is chocolate. Giving me (laughs) chocolate, by the way, actually, Lloyd. So so this goal of loving God and loving our neighbor, while that is what we live into in Christ, that is not the gospel, that is not the good news, that is not our confidence at all. It shows us our sin and misery as we fall short of this aim over and over again. When we fail to love God, when I'm selfish and thinking about my own cares and thinking about seeking my own glory rather than glorifying God, this well, is how it works. And this is I, this is one of the the appeals, and we see this on progressive side of, of quote unquote Christianity. And I put that in quotes because it's really not the Christian faith. Um, uh, but those who who, who are ministers in some of these churches and, and the teachings of, of a number of these churches that, that focus and say, that define the gospel as the summary of the law, love the Lord your God and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And a lot of times they almost forget about loving the Lord your God. And they just go to the second part, love your neighbor as yourself, and that's the gospel. And um, uh, But there, but you see um, uh, among many in, in that, I guess, crowd, that they are also those who join arms with many of the other world religions and faiths and say, see, they are also, the Muslims are also calling people to treat others with goodness or with kindness or to treat each other well or to love their neighbor. And and so there is, if, if that's the gospel, if the gospel is doing good towards others, then yeah, what, what makes the Christian faith any different, really, ultimately, than any of the other major world religions, which in many ways also call people to varying degrees to, quote-unquote, love their neighbor as themselves, the kind of like the golden rule principle that uh, right. a lot of times you it, it said is found in all The whole be kind movement. And, the whole be kind movement. Yeah. That's yep. right. And and sometimes, again, that's a lot of the social gospel right. gets to is really just the, their gospel is almost the second summary of the law, or it's the second part of it, of love your neighbor as yourself. Right. But that's, as you said, that's not the gospel. That's not why the church, uh, that's not the the message of the cross, certainly. Right, right. Um, this is not... This is not where our salvation is in the section. This is not part two. This is part one, and it's showing our man's misery is what is displayed here over and over again. This reality of this is how far we fall short, and that's what God's law requires of it. It is perfect, and it is good, and it's beyond 
what we are capable of. Which, uh, which then brings us to question and answer three, because and I know I think you're pulling out a, a Bible passage right now, which is good, Lloyd. It's good we keep going to Scripture. But then it says, can we live up to all this perfectly? Right. Which is question and answer five. Or five. The Sorry, third the third question question of that, yes. Lord's Day. Five. Yes, thank question you. Question and answer five. See, that's part of my misery. Is uh, it impacts even my mind <laughs> yes. here sometimes? Yes, my thinking. Noetic so. effects of sin. Here, <laughs> right. here yes. we go. <laughs> you know, so, can you live up to all this perfectly? And Romans three uh, comes at us with uh, none is righteous, mm. no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And continuing on from there, Romans 3 is very clear that we all fall short on this call to love God and love our neighbor. We don't match up. We can't make it. And we, as we see it, as we look for it, as we understand more and more from God's word how much we are called to love him, how much we are called to serve him, how much our lives uh, are, are indebted to him, we see in our own strength, we come up short, we fall shorter and shorter of those commands. It's, it sounds like you're saying, I have a natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. There. That would be the answer that question five gives us. Look at it? that. Yep. That. Can you live up to all this perfectly? Answer, no. I have a natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. If this the, is our default position. The, the, if, if our hearts are not changed, the law's the law's just going to reveal it, but the law's not going to change our hearts. And I, I think about the account in Judges chapter 19, Lloyd, one of the most gruesome, awful, awful accounts in all of Scripture. And uh, it's it's the account of the Levite and his concubine. And and this is a story from Judges, true story, obviously, because it's God's word here, that 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 Gives bef- uh, that that puts before us a number of of people who knew God's law, right? Uh, like the Levite, for instance, here, and um, and his concubine, and and her and her father from Bethlehem and Judah. This is the heartland of of Israel, and then they they take a trip to Gibeah, and or they want to go to Gibeah, but they they stop off um, as as well amongst and, and again the heart of of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, so a bunch of Benjamites, and all these individuals who ought to know God's law, and they do know God's law, and yet it is some of the most despicable, awful sinfulness of this natural tendency to hate God and to hate one's neighbor that that you can see on on many levels. This this Levi, you're wondering, what in the world is he doing with a concubine? Um and then on top of that, then she's unfaithful to him. So she's obviously violating the law of uh, not committing adultery, for instance. By this time, by the way, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments have been given. Right. So it's right. not like they could say, I don't know God's law. They know God's law. Then a father-in-law who tries to keep um, uh, holding them back after the Levi goes to try to get his concubine back and and the father-in-law doesn't let him go, essentially keeps holding him, holding him, holding him, saying, you know, let's just keep eating, drinking, eating, drinking, eating, drinking. And they go to another place, again, in the heart of the, the tribes of Israel, and a bunch of wicked people from the city come out, and they they want to, to rape his servant, and instead they 
put out he puts out the concubine and they rape her and left for dead. And this Levite is so callous in this story, and he's not even concerned about her, it looks like. And in the morning, he practically just steps over her near-dead body on the threshold of the door and and throws her body on on uh, on a donkey. And when he gets back, he cuts her up and sends her pieces to all the tribes. And you're like, what what absolute wickedness. This is this, and these are people who knew God's law. Right. The, the law doesn't change the heart. The law reveals absolutely how horrid and wicked we are and how we need, desperately need, a Savior. Uh, and if anything, Judges chapter 19 points to the our great need for a Savior, which eventually we will get to in the Heidelberg Catechism. Absolutely. But we have to see our misery. Right. We, right. we have to see the stark, ugly image of that mirror in front of us, which God's law is, um, of how of how deformed sin has made us and right. how wicked, wicked and dirty it has made us. Absolutely. And I mean, this all ties together. I mean, going back to question and answer three, how do you come to know your misery? What is the repeating theme in the book of Judges over and over again? There is no king oh. in the land. Everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes. And <laughs> look at the mess that it leads to. Look at the wickedness that it leads to. If you're doing what's right in your own eyes, what feels good, what, boy, I guess I thought that was a good idea. Sometimes you, I have to look at my kids and you ask, you know, what were you thinking? What were, what were you trying to do here? But God's law comes to us, that same attitude or that same message. What were you thinking? Look at what I've commanded. Look at how I have called and designed you to live and created what I have created you for. Live in line with that. Well, and that's, you know, one of the themes of our culture around us a lot of time is, of course, not only um, uh, is be who you are, but uh, a lot of times this phrase of your truth, a lot of times we would say, well, you, <laughs> you, you do your truth or, or you speak your truth right? as, as if you could be a law in and of yourself, you, you can declare this, this immutable truth that defines somehow the, the rhythm of this world that I guess if there's no creator, there's no rhythm, I guess on some level I can do whatever I want to do. That's one of the implications, of course, if you remove God from um, from the equation. People think that they are a law unto themselves. Right. They are their own truth. I get to define truth for myself. I get to define my own identity. God doesn't define my identity. God doesn't define the boundaries of what works and what doesn't work. God doesn't define what is truth. Um, uh, right. I. This is a, this is a wicked spirit of the age that that the gospel really has to push against. But the problem comes, and we see this again on human sexuality. When we don't push against it, it uh, actively it makes inroads into the church, and we we can become beguiled by it. Absolutely, we, we can become co opted by this message of really ultimately defining your own truth, and and we less and less want to talk about sin then in the church, right? Uh, because talking about sin brings us back to God's law. As a convictor of sin, it reveals yep. to me my natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. Yep. It goes back to commandment one, first commandment, have no other gods before me. That is what the sinful human beings, are, 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 our sinful nature, try and do, to elevate ourselves to God. That's why we want to declare what's good and right and wrong. In my eyes, my truth, we're putting ourselves on that throne. We're seeking to think that we are God and... Uh, you know, there's a few examples in Scripture where uh, is this a voice of a man or a God, and it doesn't end well for those people. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so. Well, 
Titus really kind of, in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, uh, we re, it says this, at one time, this is how God classifies this kind of thinking, at one time we too were foolish. This is a foolishness, foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. This is, again, what Lord's Day 2 of the Catechism is talking about, uh, this natural tendency to, 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 to hate one another and right. to hate God right. and to even hate myself. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's on some level, uh, even though there's this, this theme in the culture about you have to love yourself and do your truth, as you mentioned in the last podcast, our, our last episode, we see greater skyrocketing numbers of of people who need to be medicated, for right. instance, and and because of the hopelessness, because of the hopelessness that does, because they hate themselves, right? Because when they look for that truth in 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 themselves and try to define, for instance, what is happiness and what is right and what is wrong, ultimately it leads to despair. It leads to self hatred, right? And it's, it becomes this vicious cycle that this is where the hope of the gospel then comes in. We, we, we bring God's law to convict of sin and to show our need for, for something outside of ourselves. And, of course, that answer is Jesus Christ. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that is what Lord's Day 2 is all about, this idea of misery, the reality of sin, how we are going to define sin, how we're going to recognize sin. It is God's law that shows us this is what you are called to live. This is the perfect model, the perfect example of the way that we are called to live. And as we look at ourselves, we see all the faults, all the, all the, all the ways that we fall short, all the dents and dings and bumps and bruises and busted parts off of a car that's not like it was on the showroom floor anymore. I was, I was watching a, a movie uh, the other month, Lloyd, at... Uh, it's a. It was a Russian movie, and it was all in Russian language with English subtitles. So already you're thinking, hmm, uh, this is probably a miserable movie because uh, right now I think about Russia invading Ukraine. I think what an absolutely miserable thing for them to do. But but it, it was a movie in many ways that ought to be filled with the with uh, people who love each other, and and it, they're you know they're friends in this movie. Um, this, you know, the context is the guy owns a house and the government wants to take it because they want to turn it into something that uh, the government makes more money off of. And and it's on a bay and this guy doesn't want to give it. So you find some of this distress this there. But uh, um, this guy has uh, this this homeowner got uh, remarried because he lost his wife early on. But he has a son and then there are tensions that play out in this family dynamics and the misery that works its way in. And then a friend who he brought in, who was a lawyer from Moscow, who was supposed to come in and help him, ends up cheating on it with his wife. So a, a deep friendship of someone who's there to supposed to have someone to help him and love him ends up creating a great tension. His wife ends up getting murdered um, on this. And then some dear friends end up telling the police they think he he murdered his wife, but he didn't murder his wife. And there's 
copious amounts of alcohol and abuse. And then there's a, a, a Russian Orthodox priest in there all along the way who's also um, telling the local corrupt government official, use your power however you need to in order to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Government official who's who's using the, the power to destroy this other guy's life and, and frame him for a murder which he didn't commit in order to get him out of the way so they can destroy the house. I think the movie ends by the house being destroyed. <laughs> so I'm like... I'm like, there is so much misery uh, on there among even relationships where people are supposed to love each other and protect each other and look out for each other. And even in those situations, people have a natural tendency to to, to, to hate their neighbor and to, you know to to cheat to take their their spouse, for instance, on the side or to to frame or to lie about uh, an individual in order to get what I want or, or to twist things. Uh, the world is full of examples of misery, and God's law so powerfully reveals it um, and brings it to the forefront and, uh, again, brings about how much we need a Savior. The Heidelberg Catechism is still going to talk a little bit more about misery. We're not done right. with misery. We're not done with misery with yet. Sin. We have a couple more Lord's Days of misery and sin, but this is the starting point. Are we going to be honest with, hey, where do we fall? Where do we fall short? And And... All of this is, once again, reminding us how great our sin and misery is so that we will look for our Savior in Jesus Christ. So I think that is Lord's Day 2, those three questions and answers. And so we look forward to joining you again next time, and we'll continue on this journey of exploring our misery and all to point us towards our Savior. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms Podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms Podcast, walking the good and trusted old paths together.